Welcome to Let's Talk Innovation. This is the third in a four-part podcast series from ING that delves into innovation strategy and innovation trends both inside and outside of the financial sector. In other words, we're all about fintech or financial technology. My name is Jonathan Gruber, and we're calling this third episode Digitalization. Are we there yet? Why do we need to keep digitalizing? What are the challenges one faces when trying to digitalize in an analog world? And what happens when companies fail to embrace digitalization? I have two major players in the field to help me answer these questions. The first is Anneri Vreugdenhill, Head of Innovation for Wholesale Banking at ING. Hello, Anneri. Hi, Jonathan. And the second is Suleyma Badi, CEO of Comgo. Hello, Suleyma. Hi, Jonathan. So let me just start with you, Anari. Uh, how does one become the head of innovation at ING? Yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, actually, ING is primarily around about innovation for clients. Um, and I have a very strong client background. So actually, my whole career is spending client-facing roles, uh, both in relationship management and instructed finance kind of roles. Uh, and at some stage, they saw, thought it was a great idea to make me head of innovation. And I'm so super happy I got that role. And if we say in, when we say the clients, right? But you're the head of innovation for wholesale banking. So when people say ING clients, think of people like me, right, with an app on my phone. But you work with with some really big clients. Is that correct? That's correct. So wholesale banking is really about large corporates. So that is where I spend most of my time, and also on innovation. Um, that's where in wholesale innovation we we uh, work for. Right. Innovation is really about the big problems to solve. Um, and one of the big problems to solve, and this wasn't my idea in the end in ING, so somebody else came up with it, but I immediately related to it. So um, when I was a student, which is really a long time ago, like decades ago, I wrote my thesis uh, about documents in, in trade because at that moment I was working for an oil company and we were shipping propane and butane from Scotland to the Netherlands. Uh, and what I noticed is that uh, it took longer to get the documents from Scotland to the Netherlands than to get the propane and butane uh, in the Netherlands. And that was a real issue. I was studying law and actually the documents represent the ownership. So before we even had the documents, we had mixed the propane and butane into LPG, um, shipped it to fueling stations. And it was already in cars and burned before we actually get, got the title to those, <laughs> uh, the legal title to those things. So this was a major, major issue. And then when I was becoming the head of innovation, actually somebody in, in ING had thought of, or a group of people had thought of, that we had to do something about this and make this faster and digitalize this. And I was like, no, don't tell me that after all this time, this still is such a big issue. So this is actually how we, uh, we started uh, uh, a beautiful journey of which uh, Suleyma is also a part. Yeah, that's a great story, actually. Now, Suleyma, can you tell me a bit about what it is that Congo does, how you got started? Sure. So, so Comgo is all about digitizing trade finance and, and trying to answer to the problem Henri just explained, which is a very concrete problem people have on an everyday basis. Uh, why, why Comgo? Well, I, I, I joined the trade and commodity finance business in 2010 for, for Sorgen uh, to launch their business in Switzerland. And I was really surprised to discover the way this industry operates, right? All transactions are backed by paper documents, as Henri explained, uh, which represent the collateral of the bank 
bank. Uh, and as a banker, it's really difficult to, to, to consider this as collateral, to know if you have the original at hand, uh, what is the value of the document, is it fraudulent, who does it come from, right? So with my teams, we have been always brainstorming on, on how we could improve those ways of working. And in 2015-2016, uh, blockchain technologies appeared, distributed ledger technologies arrived, and we assessed them uh, with, with ING. We teamed up with ING to assess the pain points of this trade finance industry. And that's how Comgo started with these first tests we performed with passionate people on ING, Sogren side and, and Mercuria side. And, uh, and uh, these tests convinced these two banks who are clearly two early movers from a, digit, a digital and an innovation standpoint uh, to try to make it happen in real life. And, and Comgo is, is the production uh, stage of this journey. And could I just ask you, when was the moment you thought to yourself, oh, yeah, we, uh, we got to make a business about this. There's got to be people who are going to want this problem solved. Was that you who came up with this? Or when, when, what was the germination of the idea and, and when did it come into reality? I think the, the, the key stakeholders, was, so the banks and, and the corporates, uh, we had early believers that we could not, this industry could not continue operating as it was operating, right? And, and they found a, a group of people who were ready to take this, this crazy challenge and to make it happen on an everyday basis. So I think it was a combination of both. Uh, innovation is in the DNA of, of, of ING, of, of Sogen, of Mercuria, of, 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 the, of these players, of these leading players of this industry. And for them, it was quite obvious that they had to invest time and effort to make it happen. And that's what we have been doing with, together and with other players who joined us later. And the, and the problem that you're trying to solve here, just so that I, I, I understand it 100% correctly, is basically the problem which Henri described about the papers coming in and they already had the product out the door and people had burned it up, right? It's to, to move this entire process along digitally so that it happens very quickly and very securely. Did I say that correctly? Yes, indeed. This is what we're trying to solve. We're trying to digitize existing processes to make them more efficient and more secure for people who use them on an everyday basis. And was it a hard sell? So it was not a hard sell to launch the project and to team up with 15 leading players from this industry. Uh, everybody was really convinced in end of 2017 and 2018 that they had to invest to make this happen. Uh, so we managed to team up quite, quite easily and create the company and, and build the platform. I think what is the most challenging part of this journey is to, um, it is to succeed in everyday adoption because you need to change the processes everybody uh, is using on an everyday basis, right? So I'm talking about the way the trade finance people operate, the back offices operate. So, so this is what we are going through currently. Uh, it, it is happening, uh, but I think this is the most challenging part of the journey for sure. Right. And when you did sign agreements with people uh, so that they could go and work with you, did you do that uh, using paper? work or did you do it using <laughs> your company? <laughs> That's a very good question. So indeed, we wanted to use the platform to onboard the users, but actually on the platform, we can only have onboarded users. So we do go through a set of digital documents before, but as soon as we can use the platform, we right. use it for them. So for example, all our invoices are registered on our chain and 
stamped before they are sent to our uh, users. Now, you mentioned uh, blockchain, uh, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that in a minute or so. Could you just very briefly, quick as you can, explain to people like me what a DLT is? Because this is what you guys do. Indeed. So a distributed ledger, which stands for DLT, right, technology, is a synchronized database across multiple participants, right, uh, that enables the recording of interactions and transfer of information, such as the identity of the user, such as values, securities, for example, between two parties without a need for a central coordinator. So the beauty of this technology is that the, the network can survive independently from a central party. This is what people really value in, in DLT. Um, and, uh, and on Congo, we are leveraging on this technology uh, to build um, uh, a digital audit trail of the documents that are used in this industry. Uh, so this is what the feature we call TRAC uh, that people can use to mitigate the, the fraud risk around uh, the documents, such as invoices, for example. So today as a bank, for example, ING can finance the invoice of a client. In, in normal times, this invoice arrives by email to, to ING, and ING has no clue if another bank has financed it or not. If they use the platform, if the client registers the invoice on, on the platform, if ING signs that they have financed it uh, on the platform, then another bank who would receive this invoice could check that it has not already been financed by another bank. So this is a very powerful tool to mitigate the fraudulent the, fr the fraud risks around uh, documents in this industry. And this is something that keeps everybody honest, right? Well, it's 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 <laughs> Hello. <laughs> I cannot say yes to that one. <laughs> it's an attempt to keep everybody honest, to keep everyone more honest? No, no, it's, it's, I think it's a very strong tool to be able to cross-check what is done with document because today in this industry, it is more important to know who did what with the document than to have the original at hand. And I'd just very quickly like to bring you in, Anarie, because you've been sitting quietly and listening to this, but this is the kind of thing that, that you work with as well, right? It's a, it, this is exciting for you. Absolutely. Yeah. So this is super important for many reasons. So um, partly, obviously, because it reduces the risks for the banks. Um, so if we can be more certain that not somebody else has already financed the same uh, goods as we are willing to finance, this, this will reduce our risk tremendously. Uh, but also it speeds things up very much and it makes it way easier to connect to, to people. So one of the interesting things for us of this as well is that it is a channel for us to actually find new business. Um, because our clients are starting to use Comgo, for instance, and we can uh, find them and find their transactions there as well. So it's a very easy to use tool for us to A, be safer in what we do, but also to find new business. So, uh, Sulema, blockchain is great, and you want everyone to get on the blockchain train. Uh, so you went over to your clients, and boom, they got on board immediately, right? Uh, everybody's convinced today that this industry has to, 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 to change, right? And I think COVID has been a strong accelerator in that respect. Um, and, and what people are really, really paying attention to is, is the, the, the way it brings added value to them on an everyday basis, regardless of the technology. Yeah, but did, people, really resist, did people understand it right off the bat or did you need to persuade? 
to get people to understand what you were trying to do? Like every industry transformation, you need to persuade for sure. I mean, I think people were convinced of the of the concept of making it happen. Um, making it happen on an everyday basis requires a lot of, of conviction and a lot of time with the users and, and a very strong push from the industry leaders. Was everybody ready to use it? I mean, like, could they get going or did a lot of things have to happen first before they could get um, going with, with what you were doing? So onboarding a new software is an investment for a company, right? Uh, so depending on, on, on the, the internal processes of, of the user, it can be a very long process or it can be a very short process. Uh, just to give you examples, of, in general for banks, uh, they, they have a very thorough security assessments and it can take several months, even if we have managed to reduce it. I think today we can fairly say we can onboard a bank in three months. Uh, one year ago, it was more 12 months. Right. If it, when you go to corporate clients, for example, trading houses, in two weeks they can be set up and start issuing their first letters of credit on the platform. So it's really all about uh, the internal policies of, of our users and how much they need to assess us and, and go through uh, various processes before starting using us. But, but if you want to move fast, you can be using the platform in 24 hours. Huh? That's, that's very easy to do. And Anari, how was that for you guys? When you guys take on board a new technology like this, how does it work? Was it difficult to turn the you know oil tanker of an organization that ING is? Were you able to adopt this new technology easily? Is there a story so there? I, ING, is, ING has actually been um, very interested in blockchain technology, I think already from 2014. So already then we had our first people that started to really understand this technology. And in 2016, we started to build our own team. Um, so we, we now have a pretty big team that is also doing its own research. We are also um, really helping the technology further by creating new uh, uh, cryptographies and cre creating new algorithms that will actually help the industry to work with DLT more easily. Uh, and especially the big companies, which, which have a different kind of... Um, requirements to the technology uh, than, for instance, private individuals when they trade in bitcoins. So, um, so for us, it has been, we have been part of this journey. We have helped Comgo, but also other uh, early uh, DLT-based uh, companies with our own people, actually, to build the technology around uh, their new product. Um, so actually, Comgo's first technology officer wasn't, wasn't ING person from this blockchain team. So, and that helps tremendously. We really understand the technology. We know how we have to implement it. We know how we have to um, set up the right infrastructure on the ING side to uh, really make it work. So the technology part for us is really not that hard because we know this quite well and we understand it quite well and we have very experienced people. Having said that, you know, there's still a whole process to go through. So obviously also with companies that we've been so involved with from the start like Congo, um, we still have to make sure that, that it passes all our requirements, and especially on safety, on uh, risk management, operational-wise, but also IT-wise, because in the end, this will work with data of our clients. So we really have to make sure that it's, uh, it meets all our standards, and that takes time. Uh, it takes time to go through the process in internally. It takes time for a company like Comgo to actually deliver all the proof that we need that it's safe and secure. 
Um, so even though we understand the technology very, very well, it still is quite a process to actually get there and implement it. Am I correct in understanding that each company that you work with, each new organization, they basically all have their own way of doing things, right? And it's uh, it, you have to create a standardization in order to get them to work with DLT. Am I hearing this correctly? Well, I think yes and no. So every every company obviously has their own processes and has their own things that, for instance, Congo has to innovate towards and that they have to make sure they can connect with it. Um, but especially when you go into into DLT, you know, you cannot be alone on a blockchain because the, the value of this is that actually multiple parties verify things on the blockchain. And the characteristic of the blockchain is with that it's immutable. So not somebody else can actually change it without you knowing. Um, but that means that you need a whole ecosystem, that you need more players on it to actually fulfill all the roles there and to be sure that it's indeed validated by somebody else and you can work with what you see. So this is why it was so important that Congo started with the 15 people that, that Sulema mentioned. Right. So that we had a pretty big base to do that. But what it also means is that you have to have the same understanding of what you're seeing, that you really standardize some of the details of what you're working on and that you have the same um, taxonomy even around certain items so that you all know that if I validate this, somebody else will see it as the same thing that I'm looking at. So that is, that is a lot of hard work. And it makes it also so difficult to get wide adoption on a, a lot of the those things because we we there's so much agreements to make beforehand before you can really kick this off so why is it really worth going to all the time and trouble to implement all of this um well i think what you need to see is that this industry is everything but but standard today in the way it operates right uh, and just just to give you an example of, of very concrete cases we are facing on an everyday basis when we operate in trade and commodity finance um, when you export, for example, crude oil out of Russia, right? Uh, well, you need to first push it in a pipeline after it's extracted. Then you need to push this pipeline on, until a port, okay? Um, and then you need to ship it. So it needs to go in, on a vessel and it needs to, to be shipped somewhere. All those stages can be financed by banks on, on the basis of documents. So you will have um, planning of the pipeline, you will have delivery of, of the crude oil in the pipeline, outside of the pipeline, in the port, on the, on the vessel. And all these steps are, are represented by documents. So you imagine how many documents you have in this process on top of the quality and quanti quantity certificate, for example. So this is one kind of transaction. But if you go to, um, for example, uh, exporting um, coffee uh, out of Brazil, this would be a complete different um, uh, set of documents and a complete different logistics um, and, and way of, of operating, right? So you would need to, uh, to, to, to harvest the coffee, to dry it, uh, to, to, to put it in bags, to put it on trucks, to send it to the port, to put it in a warehouse until you, you have enough uh, bags or containers to ship it, right? And then to put it on a vessel. And this again is re represented by another full set of documents including phyto certificates which you don't have on the oil side for example so all this creates big big complexity 
that we are trying to steam, streamline uh, through the use of a digital tool that is going to help uh, the users exchange documents on a way more efficient, efficient and secure basis, right? So basically, you're turning a chaotic and gigantic stack of paper that is almost impossible to follow into one process. You can go to your computer and you can see all the paperwork, all the signatures, everyone involved in a process from start to finish through using one DLT. Have I summarized this correctly? I think it's a very nice way of 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 of, uh, of of presenting the end goal of all this. I think what is important also to underline here is that the users of the platform are connecting their own systems to the platform, right? Uh, which means that the information flows seamlessly between their system and the platform. So we're really becoming a network to allow people to retrieve and to send information and documents on a way more efficient and secure basis. Um, and, and to better use their tools to make it happen. Instead of receiving everything by email, which is what's happening today, right? Uh, which is totally chaotic because you have no clue where the information is. It takes you hours to find it, to know who sent it to you, to, to do security checks, all that kind of stuff. It, it sounds enormously expensive. <laughs> is it? I mean, this is the kind of thing that you're working on every day for multiple platforms, I'm going to assume, uh, Henri. Is this as, as complicated and as expensive as it sounds? Is this one of the reasons why we need to keep digitalizing? Well, it, it sounds a little bit like you have two questions in one. So the whole paperwork and the manual processes are super expensive eh, because because lots of people have to look at it. And uh, it's like Suleyma is describing. It's You get it by email. You have piles and piles of documents. You have to make sure you have them all. You have to make sure that you get the document signed that is the same version with the same wording as you agreed in a draft earlier on. So this is a tremendous task where loads and loads of people are working on. And it is very error prone. So when you have people working on those manual processes with all the paper documents, the, the chances that there's mistakes, that people overlook stuff is very, very high. But on the other hand, it also is quite an investment to, to build those kind of systems, um, which obviously is another reason why we have quite a lot of parties involved that really think that they will be helped and the way they do business is being helped by uh, making this happen. So we also spread out the investment in, in this kind of things. But in the end, this will be a way cheaper way of doing business, but especially a way more secure way of doing business. So I think you guys have both made a very strong argument as to why the industry needs to digitalize, but that it is also a very gradual process. So what, in your opinion, and this question is to the both of you, is the biggest obstacle you face in your day-to-day -day work to make this happen? I think there's two big, big issues. So the first one I, I alluded to earlier is really standardization. So um, what you see, especially in the large corporate sector, is that every little paragraph, for instance, of a loan documentation is being negotiated. So it's different for everybody. Um, and at some stage, you have to get to the stuff that is 80% the same and 20% different to allow for special circumstances. And everybody gets that. Also, the corporates understand that it's in their interest too, if it's easier and if it's, if it's easier to digest for multiple people or to buy pieces of their loans, etc., etc. So standardization is a big thing that we need in this industry. 
And the other one is like Salema is already describing, it's, it's the attitude of people. So people have to be willing to change, willing to change their normal way of doing business. And people don't like change a lot. So you, you have to really make it super attractive for them to, to do this. And in my experience, it is if you find a really big problem to solve, and this definitely is one, and it's a really big burden on people and they don't like the way they have to work today because it's too manual and too uh, detailed or whatever is, is irritating them, then they are willing to work with new technology and do things in a different way. But that needs a lot of nudging and helping people to see the benefits of, of changing the way they're working. Is that actually a lot of your work, Anity? Nudging and cajoling and convincing? Well, it, it, my, the biggest part of my work is making sure that I have, have a problem that is so big to people that they're willing to change it. Because without that, I cannot show whatever I like and they will still not change. So that, that is the biggest part of my work, to find the right problems to work on. And Suleyma, do you have a lot of problems trying to convince people that this is the way to go? That you've obviously made a fantastic case that working the way that you work is going to solve a lot of issues, improve a lot of problems, make things more efficient, make things cheaper. But I'm going to assume that you still encounter resistance. I think we've, we've reached a tipping point this year, um, given the number of people who use the software on an everyday basis. So there's, there's really a, a strong bunch of users who are strong believers that it brings added value to them on an everyday basis. Um, so this is helping a lot. I think, I think the COVID situation has also been tremendously helping the digitization of this industry. I mean, home offices has spread all over, over the year, right? Um, people have no choice than to find alternative to original documents in their everyday life because it's very, very difficult today to get access to those original documents. And uh, I think we have seen over the past months a strong acceleration towards new technologies and new ways of working. Can you give me an so, example? Well, basically six months ago, when so we're a digital company, right? So we, we do work remotely, we do connect through Teams, Zoom, whatever you name them. Six months ago, it was a hassle to have a meeting through Zoom, <laughs> Team, whatever you name it. Today, it's, it's just obvious. People don't expect you to show up in their office anymore. They're, most of them are working from home and, and most of them are just asking you if you prefer Teams, Zoom or whatever you name it, right? And, and this is, I think, the, the, the obvious example. But can you also give me an example how people are adopting the the way of working that that you work that you, both you so, and Anamie? Yeah, go ahead. So using the platform is 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 becoming a habit, right? Uh, so either people connect to it and and um, and execute the transaction through the platform, or and, and this is also very noticeable currently, they integrate it to their internal system. So they connect directly the platform through the famous APIs. This is what allows them to connect them to send data automatically between the platform and their own system, right? So this avoids double tasking for them, and it creates a huge additional efficiency in their process. So COVID-19 is helping to make your argument. Digitization is clearly a step that is going to solve the additional problems COVID-19 has created in this industry. 
Uh, it's also a huge tool uh, towards efficient fraud management. Uh, it, it, is, it is a clear um, way to strengthen um, processes today, and it's really seen as, as it's becoming mandatory for, for many banks and corporates to execute deals through, through the platform. Uh, otherwise, they, they, take, they think they take too much risk of wrongdoing, of operational mistakes, of, of, of working with fraudulent documents, and, and people don't want to do this anymore. Anari, can you give me an example of how COVID-19 has changed things for you? Well, it's pretty much the same. Eh? So we've been working from home since March, and I don't see that changing anytime soon. Um, and I must say that it is, it's totally amazing how fast we were able to actually all work from home and indeed get used to Microsoft Teams and to Zoom and everything you, you do differently. Uh, I think that is actually a very encouraging example of how quickly people are capable of changing their ha- habits and their behaviors uh, if they really have to, if they have a very, very strong reason to change it. Um, so that is, uh, that is something I take a lot of courage from, from the things going forward. Uh, there's still things that are difficult. So what I, uh, as part of innovation, what is very important is that you have brainstorming sessions, creative processes to come to the best solutions for the problems. That's very hard, I find, on, on virtual uh, tooling. Um, but in general, I think it is it is working super well, and in, indeed, it makes a lot more things, yeah, way easier and way less time consuming than than you were used to. Actually, I like to travel, but the fact that I'm not traveling at all at the moment is saving me so much time. Governments have been very quick to adapt to the COVID-19 situation to allow for digital forms of of dealing with things on some items. So uh, one of the things, for instance, is that many governments require that board meetings at least once a year are being held physically or shareholder meetings are being held physically. Uh, And all of a sudden you can't. Um, And I think governments have been super quick to change the law that you can do that virtually. But then you still have to... the little things like the minutes have to be signed in person by somebody who was present in person. Well, that is not always as easy as you as you would normally do it. So there's still a long way to go. But I think on a couple of vital elements, governments have been super quick to make it possible for business to continue in a good way uh, of working. You sound relieved. Yeah, absolutely. You know, otherwise we would have had real challenges. You know, you simply cannot travel. (laughs) (laughs) Things are moving in a really positive direction, at least in terms of the kind of businesses you guys work in. Can you tell me about some of the new developments in the world of innovation and digitalization that really excite you? Um, I think what's what's really important to underline today is that it is happening, that that we are able to bring added value to our clients and to help them digitize their processes at scale, uh, which is really the first time in the trade finance industry that this happens. So so by itself, it's it's already really exciting, and this will allow us to to support our users in in moving towards in in the digitization chain, and this is something we will will stage with them um, in the future. But I already think that being able to scale... 
this digitization as we're doing it right now is a very exciting journey and to have enthusiastic clients uh, using the platform on an everyday basis. Right. And is there a company, Sulema, that you look at and you think to yourself, I really admire those guys. The way they're working, we're going to do that too. I mean, we have adopted in in, uh, in Congo the, the OKR methodology, uh, which is a, 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 a way of, uh, of focusing the team on key results that has been um, massively used by the likes of Intel or Google. I think these are clearly inspiring ways to to, uh, to build a team and to build a company and to be sure they're focused on the right things to make things happen at the level of the company. Well, why does that matter to you so much? Well, when you create a business and, and especially when you when you're uh, taking the challenge to, to really change an industry, you, you can you can go in all directions, right? And 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 what is really important for you is to focus on one objective because you cannot be everywhere. Uh, so so it does matter to be able to to have the team focused on something and 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 being able to adapt this moving forward uh, to to be able to deliver and make our clients happy. It's really key. Right, and I think you also said something. Like we asked you, like, what really keeps you going? Because I'm sure you've painted a very positive picture, Salema, about how these things work. But I'm sure it wasn't easy. I'm sure it was a lot of blood, sweat, tears, you know, getting these things going. What is the thing that really keeps you going? So, so this is this is totally true. Um, and and what keeps us going? I think we're really excited by the challenge. I think it's fair to say that we have a very very strong uh, group of stakeholders supporting us who really want this to happen. Um, we do have an amazing team to make it happen too. A bunch of passionate people and 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 big supporters. Uh, and I think it's a unique chance in life to be able to do that. So so it would be a shame not to be excited by such a challenge. A unique chance in life. Um, yes. <laughs> Anari, same question to you. What uh, what keeps you going in this kind of business? Which, again, painted a very positive picture throughout this story, but I know that nothing worth doing happens easily. So what keeps you going? And so it's very true. And so innovation is as much about failure as, as it is about success. So you, you start a lot of things. And at some stage in the journey, you come to the conclusion that it wasn't, the problem wasn't big enough to solve or your solution uh, didn't work or the market wasn't big enough or there's many, many reasons why something can go wrong. Um, but it's, it's the, the, the moments where clients are super happy with a new solution that you brought that, that you see the excitement in their eyes and even virtually you can st- still see that. And they say, yes, finally somebody is there to keep, to take that problem off my plate. And that is really what you do it for. How does that make you feel? Well, if, if you have, if you see that in people's eyes, you can conquer the world. You can conquer any kind of problems you will find in their journey again. Uh, because there's always problems. It's never easy. It's never immediately solved. But if you see that you're really solving a problem for somebody and that they think finally somebody's there to do it for me, that makes you move mountains. And there you have it, the end of the third episode of Let's Talk Innovation. A big thank you to my guest today, Anri Freutenhill, Head of Innovation for Wholesale Banking at ING, and Sulema Badi, CEO of Congo. Thank you to the both of you. Thank you. Thanks, Jonathan. And a big thank you to you, our listeners. This is a new podcast, so please let us know what you think of it. 
If you want to learn more about innovation and ING stories, you can listen to other episodes at www.bnr.nl slash brand stories slash innovation. That's bnr.nl slash brand stories slash innovation. This was the third episode of our four-part series, Let's Talk Innovation. My name is Jonathan Hubert. Have an innovative day.